Taiwanese people, once they're somewhat aware of Irish culture, uh, they're, they're very excited about it, they're very eager to engage. I think just someone has to spread the word. Hello and welcome to Perspectives with Nilo, a regular podcast that brings you news and views from around the world with an Irish perspective. In a 2021 Internation survey, Taiwan was voted the best country in the world for expats to live. The latest statistics from Taiwan's Ministry of Labour indicates that there are over 720,000 foreign workers living in the country. About 40,000 of those are workers who would typically be considered expats, with the largest numbers coming from Japan, the USA, Malaysia, Canada and the UK. In this episode, we're talking with Sean Glennon, who is co-founder of the Irish Association in Taiwan. Sean is originally from Dublin, and he first came to Taiwan about five years ago on a working holiday. I sat down with Sean to talk about daily life in Taiwan, recent political events, and staying connected with home. I first asked him why he chose to move to Taiwan above all other Asian destinations. I knew after I graduated from university that I wanted to go abroad and at the time I had in my mind that I wanted to be a secondary school teacher so I thought maybe teaching English in Asia could be a good opportunity to get a little bit of experience teaching before I go back to Ireland. Ultimately I decided to come to Taiwan because um, there was a working holiday program here and also I think Taipei had recently been voted like the best city in the world to be a foreigner. And so, okay, if I'm going to live abroad and I want to do something a little bit different, like go to Asia, I might as well go to uh, the best place in the world to do it. And I think overall, when I was looking at other countries, I think the main ones I was considering were um, China and Korea. Um, things in China just seemed a little bit rougher. And, uh, and while it seems silly now thinking about like restrictions on being able to use Facebook and stuff, it was my first time living abroad and I was a bit nervous about not being able to contact family. And in Korea, I just heard some uh, some negative things that was kind of hard to fit in with the locals. In contrast, Taiwan has a reputation of being very friendly, very easy to make friends, very easy to, to fit in and be accepted. And has it lived up to that reputation? Yeah, I'll say on from time to time, I'll find Taiwanese people can be quite shy, but mostly that's probably down to a lack of confidence about English. I notice a lot of the times if I'm in a shop or a restaurant, the staff will be a little bit shy, a little bit closed off to me. But if I say something in Chinese, I find all of a sudden things change. They start asking like, oh, like, why are you here? Where are you from? How come you can speak Chinese? Uh, so I think it definitely does live up to that reputation. Uh, how, how does daily life compare to you know, day to day in Ireland versus day to day here? So now actually I work as a, as a branding consultant. And I would say the, the working day is a little bit longer. So the standard in Taiwan is nine to six. Um, so the working day is a little bit longer, but at the same time, the, the public transport here is really convenient. So I still say you spend less of your day commuting. And then it's very common as well uh, in Taiwanese offices. Nobody really brings a packed lunch. Everybody always goes out and eats. So just, uh, just yesterday, um, our whole team went out to this big Thai restaurant and lots of food was put on the table and this is the typical way of eating in Taiwan is not that you get your own individual dish and eat it it's that you go out with a big group of people lots of food gets put on the table and everybody has a little bit of everything I would say then in terms of outside of work the average day 
I think a lot of foreigners here get involved in a lot more extracurricular activities. So me personally, um, like I study Chinese, but I've also done you know certain activities like uh, hiking groups, and there's an Irish uh, uh, Gaelic football team here, and things like surfing or scuba diving. I find a lot of foreigners take part in these activities because it's just so convenient and so realistically cheap to do them in Taiwan as well. So I feel like overall, compared to Ireland, I think in Taiwan we have maybe a more balanced life and certainly more active life. One thing you'll find on the public transport here, uh, and I was shocked when I first got here, I was getting a train really early on a Saturday morning and I was like, oh, this will be great, it'll be empty, I'll get a nice seat. It must have been like 8 a.m. or something and it was packed, everybody was going out. And I think this is the thing in Ireland, we see our weekends as a time to sit at home with our family, relax. In Taiwan, they definitely have more of an attitude that they like to uh, get out and about and uh, do activities. So you also, you're, you're a founder, or maybe the founder of the Irish Association in Taiwan. Um, what, was your, what was your thinking when you were founding uh, that, that organization? So uh, I'm co-founder with, uh, with another Irish lad here from Finglas uh, called Dean. And um, basically we met up and we just wanted to create a community for Irish people. Really, the idea came to me when I, was in a, when I was in a restaurant one day and I was chatting to my friend and a guy comes up to me and goes, oh, are you from Dublin? I was like, yeah, I am from Dublin. <laughs> and he was from, uh, from Dundrum himself. And uh, it, just, it just got me thinking, there's not a lot of Irish people, but still we're not really well connected. Uh, and then another issue was that Ireland does not have, since 20, I believe it's 2011 or 2012, the Irish trade office here was closed. And since then, there's been no official representation uh, in Taiwan. And I find a lot of Taiwanese are very ignorant of Ireland. I get a lot of questions, like when I tell people I'm Irish, you know, sometimes they think that's the UK. Sometimes they confuse it with Scotland. I've had people say to me like, oh, Ireland, that's like north of England, isn't it? Um, they don't have a and obviously you know it's, it's not their fault we're quite a small country and we we don't have a presence here in taiwan so i think it was uh it was partly to kind of connect the irish community but also to help spread irish culture and irish awareness here in taiwan um what i'll say on that as well is not a lot of taiwanese have been to ireland but every single one of them who has uh, loves it um, several people have done working holidays in Ireland, several people have gone on vacation in Ireland and decided, wow, I want to live there, I want to go there to work and study. Um, Taiwanese people in general, once they're aware of Ireland, they're very passionate about it. And uh, as well as the Gaelic football team, actually, there's uh, several Irish dancing schools here. Uh, there's, also, uh, there's also a traditional Irish music band uh, that I think their band members are completely Taiwanese. There's not a single Irish lad who takes part in it. And, uh, and also whenever um, Lord of the Dance comes to Taiwan, it's always sold out. They do events, not, they do, um, I don't know what you call them, not concerts, when it's, but they do sh shows. They do shows, not just in Taipei, but in the smaller cities as well, uh, several nights, and they always sell out. Uh, so I think actually Taiwanese people, once they're somewhat aware of Irish culture, uh, they're, they're very excited about it, they're very eager to engage, I think just someone has to spread the word. And do you have uh, many members so far, Sean? 
Um, we, 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 don't have a, we don't have a solid membership. Our events would usually average somewhere between 40 and 60 uh, people attending. And that's usually a mix. Usually we would get about half of those would actually be Taiwanese interested in Ireland. So if we do an average event and let's say um, 60 odd people showed up, there's a good chance 30 to 40 of those could actually be Taiwanese who are just very passionate about Ireland. So it seems like a great thing to be promoting Ireland anywhere in the world. Are you getting much support from the Irish government for that? Uh, we haven't. According to the Irish Department of Foreign Affairs, um, we should be supported by the embassy in Beijing. Um, and there's not, been a, there's not been a huge amount of support, unfortunately. They've, they've helped us with sending out emails, letting people know about our events and uh, when they happen in Taiwan. Uh, we've contacted uh, several government agencies about the idea of uh, updating the Department of Foreign Affairs uh, website to give travel advice on Taiwan. Uh, currently, it doesn't do that. Um, we've also contacted the Department of Enterprise with the hopes of re-establishing the uh, trade office here, um, which we've received responses that uh, Ireland is covered by their trade offices in Singapore. Um, and uh, and so unfortunately the support we've received has not been great now what I will say in defense of that though is uh, the Irish government and the GAA have been quite generous towards the Gaelic football team here and have given them several grants to help them do their work so it's not uh, completely negative um, I think I think in contrast to us the Gaelic football team are also a lot better established they've been in operation for 20 years so I think on a certain level, as an Irish community here in Taiwan, we still need to prove ourselves. And, uh, and hopefully we'll do that with, with our events into the future. So officially, if, if somebody from Ireland is either living in Taiwan or visiting Taiwan and they need like passport support or uh, need, need some official support, uh, there, there's nothing here. They, they essentially have to go to Singapore or to, to uh, the embassy in, in uh, Shanghai or Beijing. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Um, so this obviously affects Irish people here. There's no form of consular assistance. Um, I think technically the same rules apply that in any country where Ireland does not have an embassy, we can seek assistance from another EU uh, office. But in terms of passports, we have to deal directly with the passport office in Dublin. Um, I think for renewing passports this is not such a big deal but I've heard of some stories of Irish people who've had children here and getting their first passport can be a very challenging experience because all the documents actually need to be sent over from Beijing and then there's also the issue of the Taiwanese people here who need visas for Ireland whereas in any other country it would be a simple process of visiting the Irish embassy getting your visa approved uh, they need to send all their documents all the way to Dublin to have them verified and obviously it's it's not great for it's not great for Ireland's uh, reputation and uh, that it that it's so difficult you know if you can consider a young Taiwanese person who wants to do a working holiday you know they have the option of Australia New Zealand Britain uh, Canada uh, and all of these countries have representative offices here in Taiwan Ireland's the only one that doesn't and um, I think the EU do have a, a trade office here, but it also seems Ireland is not, doesn't have a presence or a membership in that office, whereas uh, th there are other member states who, who do, uh, which is also quite strange. And again, is, uh, 
might be another avenue for connecting, but it seems like that isn't there either. Yeah, this is true. Um, a few years ago, we had um, a delegation from the Shannad come to visit he- us here in Taiwan, and um, and they had meetings with the European um, Economic Office here in Taipei, and they were unfortunately told that out of the 27 member states, Ireland is the least engaged and doesn't actually have any kind of presence or is not operating uh, within that office. And for me, I think this is a real shame because here in Taiwan, there's a very robust middle class that are very eager to get their hands on things like high quality agricultural products, high quality beef, high quality dairy products. And, um, and I, think, I think Ireland is really missing out um, because, you know, obviously as an Irish person, I think this, but I think we have some of the best quality agricultural products in the world. And, uh, and I think we're definitely missing out on uh, trade opportunities. Yeah, I mean, actually, uh, I went to a few supermarkets myself this week and you do see German butter, you do see French butter, you can see their little flag on it. And, and and other uh, products from other European countries, but nothing from Ireland. Not the you wouldn't see the, the usual products that you might expect to see in many other countries. No, nothing here. No, no, I've never. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, yeah. y- you can get Guinness and Bailey's, yeah. and um, that's about it. But yeah. I mean, the population is like something like 24 million here, so it's 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 a sizable market at the same time, right? It's a sizable market. It's one of the, it's one of the most advanced economies in Asia. So, twenty-four million is comparable to Australia. Um, it's it's larger than most EU member states. To put things into context, it would be it's a considerably larger population than countries like the Netherlands or Sweden. Um, it's the sixteenth largest economy in the world, I think, by GDP, and. While 24 million, in an Asian context, it's not a huge amount of people, but they have a very large purchasing power. It's one of the wealthiest countries in Asia, like right behind, like right behind countries like Japan, South Korea, and Singapore. I think Taiwan would be the most developed, and the people here would actually be relatively wealthy. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, back back to your uh, the. Uh Irish uh, Association in in Taiwan. Are, are there events and things you you've been organising so far to to help with uh, furthering the mission? So most of our events so far have focused around um, cultural promotion. Um, so we've run film screenings to show uh, well-known Irish movies. We've also uh, we've also organised St Patrick's Day events. Um, we've also organised an annual Christmas dinner. It's just kind of helped communities stay in touch. Um, but we've also done some activities that have been aimed towards the Taiwanese population. And actually, one of our most successful and, popul- and popular events to date was actually a seminar on working, studying, and traveling in Ireland. And we had, uh, we had consultants who are from local education agencies who help students sort out visas to go to Ireland to study at Irish universities. We had um, Taiwanese people who have uh, who have actually been involved in the Taiwanese Association of Ireland, uh, who were visiting Ireland at that time, kind of gave people advice on searching for jobs in Ireland, kind of what visas are available, uh, what kind of work opportunities are available. 
and um, and that was one of our most popular events. So, despite any kind of official promotion, uh, the good news is Ireland remains a very popular destination for Taiwanese. Okay, that's that's great to hear. I guess uh, Taiwan made the the news headlines in in Ireland uh, recently uh, because of the the Nancy Pelosi visit and then the subsequent um, military drills carried out by. Uh, by the, uh, the the Chinese government around the island. Uh, when I told people I was coming here um, and I was talking to some Irish people, the question that was kind of foremost on their minds was, oh, is it, are people safe? Were people safe? How, how was it during all of that, uh, during all those activities? Uh, so m can you tell us how, how it was for, for, for that week or two while all those drills were going on? Well, um, I was actually on vacation during that week. Um, here in Taiwan, in, in uh, around the south coast. So uh, I had quite a relaxing time, but at the same time, I think here in Taiwan, the media was definitely less worried than the international media because I was getting phone calls from my parents. And, you know, m my line's always been like to my parents, don't worry. I mean, if, if there was a conflict, you know, I, I wouldn't hang around. And, you know, I remember saying that to my dad, I was all like, don't worry if there was any sign that China was going to take military action on Taiwan, you know, I'd leave. And he said to me, this is the sign, this is, <laughs> they're getting ready. But I think actually here, the attitude in Taiwan was, was relatively relaxed. Um, rightly or wrongly, Taiwanese people have become used to this kind of military presence. What I'll say is worrying is that when I first moved here in 2017, the idea of China taking any kind of military action against Taiwan seemed very remote and unrealistic. Mm -hmm. um, and in my five years here, unfortunately, it's just become more and more realistic. Um, it's become more possible. And I would say that's the worrying thing, is that I don't think there's going to be a war this year and I don't think there's going to be a war next year. But it seems like the chance of a war is a lot higher now than it was five years ago and I think unfortunately a lot of Taiwanese people are just getting used to things always escalating so it used to be a case that before the kind of pro-independence party was elected here in 2016 relations between Taiwan and China were quite friendly because actually even here the they had a pro-China government that their official line was yes Taiwan and China are part of the are part of you know the one China and they will eventually be reunified but since 2016 and the change of government here towards a more independence leaning um, government things have unfortunately deteriorated and it just feels like every year new lines are being crossed so I, it was about two years ago that Chinese planes started entering Taiwan's air defense identification zone and when that first happened it was a really big deal and now it happens several times a day and it doesn't even make the news and now the unfortunate thing is we're starting to say to see the same thing with Taiwanese er, sorry with Chinese warships crossing the median line between Taiwan and China and while this is a really big news story I'm worried that this is eventually going to become the norm and things are just going to slowly escalate mm -hmm. and obviously and obviously um, the more the more military activity that's happening around Taiwan I 
I fundamentally believe actually that the the Chinese government are intelligent enough to realize that now is not the time to take military action and that it would be counterproductive. But the more and more military activities you have going on around this island, the more potential there is for mistakes to happen and for unintended consequences to break out from that. You mentioned the change of government from the, uh, I guess, uh, China-focused KMT to the uh, more independently-minded uh, DPP, um, uh, which has definitely ch- changed the uh, the focus for, for Taiwan. But I, I think uh, the, the other item, uh, the other event that, that uh, maybe caused a big change of attitude here in Taiwan was how, uh, how the uh, Hong Kong One Country, Two Systems promise of the CCP uh, wasn't quite what people might have expected. Yeah, exactly. Um, so if you go back to 2019, uh, President Tsai Ing-wen was in her third year of her uh, of her first term. And honestly, I think at that point she was quite unpopular. And there was a candidate from the pro-China KMT, his name was uh, Han Guoyu, and he had just been elected mayor uh, of one of Taiwan's, uh, I think either the second or third largest city, Kaohsiung. And um, he was extremely popular, and it was just assumed that he was going to win the presidential election in 2020. And what we saw then in 2019 is we saw um, we saw the Chinese government cracking down extremely hard on protesters in Hong Kong. And the last time I was in Hong Kong was actually 2018. And so I don't know how much things have changed, but from what I've heard, uh, the rule of law no longer applies there. It's not a place where you have the same uh, civil liberties and freedoms that once existed. So while there used to be this idea that China and Taiwan could exist as one state and Taiwan could maintain its way of life, as was happening in Hong Kong and as kind of happened in Hong Kong for about 20 years, um, all of a sudden there was a realization that that's not possible. That if Taiwan did accept um, one country, two system arrangement, then eventually they'd face the same fate as Hong Kong. And you can see this with the most recent blueprint the Chinese government has published on reunifying with Taiwan. Previously, they had said they had made commitments like there would be no Chinese troops stationed in Taiwan. Um, Taiwan would be allowed to maintain its own democratic government. Taiwan maybe would even be able to maintain its own military forces. In the most recent white paper, they've gotten rid of all of that. So there's the assumption now that even under a one country, two system uh, arrangement, there would be Chinese military and security forces based here in Taiwan. And that Taiwanese people probably could not expect their way of life to, to be maintained. What do the local Taiwanese say about like uh, support from other countries as all of this goes on in the background? Do they like are they disappointed with the amount of support they get from the rest of the world, or um, are they just uh, resigned to the situation as it is? What, what's your kind of uh, what's your kind of take on on that? I'd say they're extremely disappointed, and um, you know, for for us as outsiders, foreigners coming to Taiwan, we can kind of see the logic in keeping your head down and not making a big fuss because Taiwan is effectively an independent country. They operate as an independent country besides the fact that uh, the vast majority of other nations don't recognize them. Every, you know, they have their own 
government, they have their own military, they have their own uh, currency, they have everything that an independent country could have except for recognition. And so a lot of us from the outside, we see, like, this is good enough. Like, why, why provoke things? Why push things? But I think for Taiwanese, there's a deep sense of humiliation when, when a company has to apologize to China and say that, oh, no, of course, Taiwan is a part of China. Or when other countries say, we, we acknowledge that Taiwan is a, is a province of China. Or when they are not invited to things like the UN or the World Health Assembly. Um, it's just a great sense of, even though it might not have a material impact on your average Taiwanese person's life, there's a great sense of uh, humiliation about this. And I can even feel the same thing here in, in Taiwan when I say to someone, I'm from Ireland, and they're like, oh yeah, I love the UK. I feel it. I'm like, whoa, no. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but I mean, at the, at the end of the day, Ireland is recognized, uh, universally recognized as an independent state. And Taiwan is not and all around the world from politicians to celebrities to major corporations you have people constantly telling Taiwanese people that they are they are part of China and they, they they're extremely disappointed with this so I guess I would just say to people you know there's there's an increasing interest in Taiwan as a geopolitical topic um, but it's more than just a it's more than just a a news headline or something to be fought between America and China and I think the best way to realise that is actually for Irish people to come here on vacation and actually meet some of the locals try the food, travel around uh, it's an incredibly underrated tourist destination and I think once once borders are open uh, I would definitely recommend for any Irish people to come out here and see for themselves That's Sean Glennon, co-founder of the Irish Association of Taiwan. And since recording the interview, Taiwan has fully opened up for visitors. While there are no direct flights from Ireland to Taipei, there are several connections from many major European cities, such as London, Amsterdam and Paris. My thanks again to Sean, and for more on the Irish Association of Taiwan, you can check out their Facebook page, which I've linked in the podcast description and on our blog site at pwnilo.com. That's pwnilo.com, where you'll also find all previous episodes of this podcast. You can also follow us on Spotify, iTunes, Instagram, and Twitter. Well, that's it for the moment. Until the next time, thank you for listening. Slánach Spanacht. <laughs>